0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, October 12th. I'm Gavin McGough.
1: And I'm Julia
0: Caulfield. In today's headlines, Norwood talks solar regulation.
1: Via Destined for official trail status.
0: A new chapter at the Telluride Library. And
1: a mountain weather forecast.
0: Drivers traveling west on Highway 145 into Norwood are greeted just at the edge of town with a homespun billboard hanging on a fence. It pictures a goat and huge block text reading, Wrong Mesa Solar. The billboard has stood there all summer and is a response to the Wrights Mesa Solar Project, a 600-acre solar development proposed by One Energy Renewables on Lone Cone Road just outside town. When the project was introduced at a public meeting in mid-May, community members turned out in droves to voice their opposition to the project. The level of concern was so intense that San Miguel County issued a six-month moratorium on all new commercial-scale utility applications in order to update its land use code. That was back in late May, recalls County Planning Director Kay Simonson.
2: Yeah, we
3: put the moratorium into place. We're not going to be done in time for that moratorium, but it can be
4: extended. It'll be up to the Board of County Commissioners, obviously, to adopt that. But we do expect that we will be extending it because we won't have it ready in time.
0: I spoke with Simonson at a county open house held this week in the Lone Cone Library in Norwood to gather public input on possible land use code edits. The turnout for the drop-in event was high, and Phil Simonson.
5: People have some very,
4: they're very passionate about it, and they have a lot of ideas and a lot of thoughts, and
3: we're trying to get them
0: all put together. The land use code updates are county-wide, stretching east to west end, and they're not only focused on solar, but also other utility development, mining, logging, natural resources, and so forth. But conversation centers around the Wright's solar development. Charmaine Toomey remains shocked by the plan brought forth by One Energy Renewables.
4: I am for solar, especially if individual homes and barns and as far as giant complexes in a neighborhood uh, where they're cutting down trees, ruining the habitat. Ruining our water, it's just not right to put a complex, an industrial complex, in a neighborhood.
0: The land use code currently has no specific regulations around commercial-scale solar development. Terry Lammers, whose family ranch is located on Lone Cone Road, says the county must prepare. Federal and state renewable energy goals will make large-scale solar projects a common occurrence. What Norwood saw this spring, says Lammers.
1: Yeah, I think we're just beginning to see the tip of the iceberg.
0: Wendy Brooks is a resident of Telluride, but has family land in Norwood. Brooks opposes the Wrights Mesa Solar Project and feels the issue has a specific East County-West County divide.
2: I think a lot of people in Norwood are just suspicious that somehow it's going to happen to them because... The county powers are all in Telluride.
0: Brooks draws my attention to a map of San Miguel County hanging on the wall. It invites participants to put a sticker where they think solar development should go.
2: The most common place listed is the valley floor of Telluride. I mean, there are like 20, 27 people out of 40 who all think it should be on the valley floor.
0: For Brooks, all those stickers on the valley floor which is a conserved piece of land and barred from solar development, points to a feeling amongst Norwood residents of a double standard, where Telluride's open spaces are considered precious and unassailable, while land on Norwood's mesa is regarded as common and disposable. But for others, such as Ophir resident Kim Wheels, the whole conversation was a disturbing illustration of how difficult the green energy transition will be.
1: We have climate action plans, a regional climate action plan, a Tyreide climate action plan, a Mountain Phillips climate action plan. Norwood is part of this. OFER is part of this. All of our regions are. And yet putting feet to the ground and what it actually looks like to implement it is a complete flip and challenging.
0: The county has pledged a 90 percent reduction in greenhouse gas emissions over 2010 levels by 2050. But as Wheels points out, how those goals will be implemented and where the infrastructure will go remains an enormous question, especially as the county is looking to renew the moratorium for another six months. Via Ferrata. Italian for Iron Way, were first engineered in the Alps during World War I, as military operations drilled rungs into rock faces to traverse into
2: areas of high terrain. Over time, they obviously stopped being used for military purposes and started being pursued by mountaineers as a branch of mountaineering and climbing. And there are over 1,200 via ferrata in the alps there are only a couple maybe a few dozen in the united states that's
0: todd rutledge owner of the guiding service mountain trip and a telluride mountain club board member one of those few dozen via ferrata is of course here in telluride it was the brainchild of local climber ironworker, and adventurer chuck kroger who threw up some metal rungs on the ledges below Ajax and engineered a two-mile traverse along the cliffside for foolhardy rock climbers.
2: When Kroger passed in 2007, says Rutledge, Friends of his decided, hey, let's put a little cable up in some of these really sketchy sections so that more of Chuck's friends can come and experience the route. in some ways as a memorial to him and his vision.
0: As more cable sections were added, the via became ever more popular and safer, with guide companies leading first-timers along the ledges and confident locals heading out for a vertiginous afternoon above the Box Canyon. But the via is located on Forest Service land. And,
2: says Rutledge, The cable and the rungs were installed without permission, which presents a conundrum for the Forest Service. What do we do about this? There are other via ferrata in national forest lands, but, says Rutledge, Everyone is managed as a concession similar to a ski area. There's a company that runs it. You have to pay for guides uh, to experience the route. The Telluride via ferrata has never been that. It's been open to the public. It's only one of three in the whole U.S., that is open and free to the public.
0: While that access makes Telluride's VIA unique, it poses a headache for the Forest Service, which for years has been unsure how to handle the trail. Close it entirely? Place it under private management? Or find a way to incorporate it as an official trail for
2: posterity? Rutledge continues, They looked at several solutions, and the one they settled upon was If we can make changes to the route so that it meets the standard that we have used on other forests, we'll adopt it as a trail. This summer, the Forest Service made their decision official. And the
0: Telluride Mountain Club, area guiding services, and volunteers are working with USFS to bring the trail up to standard. Thickening cable, adding
2: some cable sections, and so on. When the work is finished... It will be an official trail on the National Forest Service map and we feel that this is a way to sustain and preserve and protect the route going forward.
0: The updates assures Routeledge will keep the trail as close to its existing condition as possible.
2: I mean this is hardcore grassroots. It was put up by community members. It's been maintained by hundreds of volunteer hours from community members which just adds to making it even all the more
0: amazing. Preservation of the Via Ferrata is supported by the Via Ferrata Sustainability Fund. Learn more about the efforts at telluridemountainclub.org.
1: Those familiar with Telluride are undoubtedly familiar with the Wilkinson Public Library. The community institution puts on countless events and programs, provides books, unusual items, and space to work and gather. But recently, the library got a remodel. Last week, staff put in the final touches.
3: It was in response to the changing way that our community has been using the public
1: library. That's Sarah lander director of the Wilkinson Public Library. And we wanted to create
3: a beautiful public space for people to come, be able to work, have a quiet space, study. But we also wanted to really take advantage of the space that we have by bringing in more natural light, lowering the sight lines, and just creating kind of those cozy nooks and places for people to work.
1: You, alongside Public Services Manager Jill Wilson and Latinx Youth Outreach Specialist Dominique Bruno, worked to shift the space and resources of the library to fit the community's current needs. Some of the rules that we had in mind while designing was using the perimeter of the second floor for working areas and thinking of individual spaces and group working spaces. Walking through um, the second floor of the library is, in hushed uh, tones, Bruno showcases a number of height-adjustable tables snug up hand against hand the walls. A mix of curved hand hand and straight hand bookshelves, hand hand shorter hand than before, so fill hand hand the interior space. And we also try to make to make it fun for people. So it's kind of like a promenade that you can just browse around.
3: Mm-hmm and explore the the collection, yes. <laughs> Fiction promenade, I like that. <laughs> and if you ever have a hard time finding the book you're looking for, just ask a librarian, we're here for you.
1: There are chairs and reading nooks hidden throughout, Providing ample space to cozy up with a book. Yeah, like this space that we're standing in right now. We wanted it to
3: kind of have like that living room feel. That's like Wilson. Just a really cozy place where you can sit down and read a book or a magazine.
1: The living room area sits just next to the library's growing collection of Spanish language books. The newest and final piece of the remodel are soundproof meeting booths. Lander but you demonstrates. But they're so quiet. So I'm going to go in there and talk and you're not going to hear anything. Okay. And I'm just going to talk loud. I'm going to talk. It's true. You can hardly hear a peep. Nearly every booth and table is filled with someone at work. Heading downstairs is Wilson's favorite part of the remodel. This is
3: probably my favorite thing that came out of um, the whole remodel is this unusual item for checkout. Our unusual item collection has really grown and it drove me crazy that it was just all over the library. We had some up in the stairwell, we had some down in the
1: basement, most of it was behind and back in the materials management that nobody could see. Unusual items include pasta makers, camp chairs, vinyl players, iPads and hotspots.
3: It's just this really cool opening, you know, open space that people can wander through and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you can check out a shovel or whatever it is. I mean, you can walk through and, you know, you'll hear people just say, I cannot believe you can check this
1: out from the library. And it's just this was a dream come true. Walk into the newly remodeled library, and it still has that homey, cozy community feel. It's just a little more refined for Telluride's current wants and needs. Yeah, we just really want
3: people to be able to take pride in their library, come to their public library, and feel like they have like the most awesome space ever to do whatever they need to do that day. Okay. Yeah, so. Yeah. We we did this for them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We did this for you. Tell this you
1: is ride. for you. Yeah. <laughs> this is for you to enjoy. The Wilkinson Public Library is open seven days a week. Daily times and copious programming schedules are available at TellurideLibrary dot org.
0: It's time to get your boogie shoes on with an end of season get down at the Alibi on Friday. A collaboration between Telluride Arts and The Alibi, the get down will feature Desert Child and Opré Nova playing from 9 p.m. till late on Friday, October 13th. Telluride band Opré Nova will kick off the night, followed by Durango bass band Desert Child, bringing everything from Fleetwood Mac to the Spice Girls to loads of originals. Tickets are available at TellurideArts.org.
1: nothing beats the taste of a fresh salmon. Once again, this year, Colorado Parks and Wildlife is giving away kokanee salmon to the public. Kokanee salmon were first introduced into Colorado in 1951. The fish are a landlocked type of sockeye salmon. Each year, CPW collects kokanee eggs from spawning locations. The eggs are raised in hatcheries and stocked in 26 bodies of water the following spring. CPW conducts kokanee salmon giveaways to make sure the meat from the spawned fish are not wasted. Individuals must have a 2023 Colorado Fishing License to be eligible for the giveaway. Those interested in receiving kokanee should bring their own small cooler or container. Most fish are 10 to 13 inches in size. Giveaways will take place across the state in October and November, but CPW officials encourage interested individuals to reach out ahead of time to check how many fish will be available. To check fish availability and dates, call 970-725-6200.
0: This Saturday, the moon will pass in front of the sun, creating a solar eclipse across the west. The full eclipse will hit just south of San Miguel County, and the Colorado Department of Transportation is anticipating increased traffic as travelers migrate towards the path of totality. Motorists should plan for higher-than-normal traffic around Cortez, Dolores, Dove Creek, and Mesa Verde. CDOT urges drivers to pay attention to vehicles slowing down and pulling over. With the eclipse on Saturday morning, CDOT is expecting heavy traffic to begin on Thursday and Friday, growing until the eclipse is complete on Saturday afternoon. The eclipse will begin at approximately 9.11 a.m. in Colorado and end at 12.04 p.m. The eclipse will be at its most total around 10.33 on Saturday morning.
1: Amos Gyora is a professor at the University of Utah. He lives in Jerusalem and spent nearly 20 years in the Israel Defense Force and now directs the S.J. Quinney College of Law's Bystander Initiative. He was in Jerusalem during the recent outbreak of violence. Gyora spoke with KRCL's Laura Jones about where Israel goes from here and how we can break the endless cycle of violence.
5: We live outside Jerusalem. We spent on Monday, we were twice in the bomb shelter. On Saturday, my my kid, my part of my family was in the shelter eight times. One of my kids was in the shelter once today. Yeah, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. I have a kid in the IDF, in the Israel Defense Forces, as we speak. Are we safe? Yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I feel safe because we have, we have shelter in the house. Wherever you go, there are shelters everywhere in Israel. The rocket firing is a reality. Um, Obviously, what happened on Saturday, primarily on Saturday, Sunday by Hamas, what you want, war crime, war crime, magnified every which way on Sunday. But there are obviously lots of questions post. I mean, how did this happen? There are failures in every which way. What led to this is a more profound question. Obviously, where do do we go with all this? What lies ahead? Who are going to be the responsible adults in the building? How will this play out? There are innumerable questions, but I think there are two important things to put on the table. One, what Hamas did on Saturday is every adjective you want those are, there are those who are referring to it as the new Holocaust, the fact that people are, they're shooting people point-blank range, um, including children. There are 150 hostages, 100, 150 hostages being held in Gaza, something like that. There are more than 1,000 casualties. I think by now it's 20, I mean 1,000 dead. I think by now there are 2,500 plus wounded. There are people who were executed. They were captured in the kibbutz and then they were executed. Um, there are women, elderly women in there, there are 285 85-year-old women who are in captivity. There are children in captivity. I mean, those are war crimes, and Hamas needs to be held accountable for it. The other question, which is no less significant, is in addition to the intelligence failure and the obvious idea, Israel Defense Forces failure, without a doubt, is how we got to the situation where an entire population group, the southern flank of Israel, was abandoned by the government. The government has failed, the government has collapsed, state institutions aren't functioning at all. And the blame for that is, is lays clearly in the lap of Prime Minister Netanyahu, who's concerned only about his legacy. legacy. This makes no sense to American journalists. I know Netanyahu doesn't get interviewed by the Israeli media He doesn't allow himself to be. He doesn't speak to us, he speaks at us. On so the past four days he has spoken at us like the emperor twice. He's clearly focused only on the legacy. I'm convinced he has disdain for Israel, has disdain for the Israeli people, and because of cold political calculations, the most of the uh, IDF's forces have been in the West Bank rather than in the, in the southern flank, which is why the communities, the, the cities, the villages, the communities that people see in the southern flank, bordering on Gaza, were abandoned. I mean, that's why the 1,500 Hamas terrorists were able to penetrate the fence and and go. It took seven hours, I think. Plus, minus, before there was some kind of a response. I mean, it is an utter and total failure, but I want to begin by emphasizing this is clearly a Netanyahu's lab.
4: So, as you write for the Tribune today, online at sltrib.com, where does Israel go from here? What awaits in the coming days? But the larger, far more complex question is how we break this endless, tragic cycle of violence, because you acknowledge the ongoing Palestinian question. You use pogrom in regards to both Israel and Hamas.
5: Not, is Israelis. Not Israelis. Israelis.
4: Israelis. So how do we... Where do we go? You spent nearly 20 years in the IDF. You teach a class, a, a terrorism simulation at the University of Utah. This has all the hallmark, hallmarks of something I'm guessing you've probably simulated in the past. So what is, what is your answer, Amos? I know you don't have all so, of them, but you got an insight for us.
5: At the moment, the emphasis is going to be three things. Four, maybe. One is... The consistent aerial attacks uh, on Gaza, that will continue. Two, whether or not there will be ground incursion by the Israel Defense Forces into Gaza. Three, the 100, 150 hostages, never had that before. And four is the international community. So President Biden is clearly giving Netanyahu wiggle room at the moment, which I understand. And the international community, overwhelmingly, but not absolutely, I even saw that in Salt Lake City, there were people demonst- uh, supporting the, the the war crimes. I mean, I, the, no words for that. The, the mere fact that people can celebrate oh, children being killed is remarkable to me. Remarkable in, in quote, air quotes, in person. The, the, the support from the international community will turn when there will be the inevitable pictures of Palestinian innocent children killed, because that's going to be the ine- inevitable result, whether it's only from aerial attack or ground incursion, because that's the way these things work. is you get, you know, you move in and you bomb from here and you have ground incursions from there, and then starts the the killing or unintended collateral damage of, of innocent Palestinians, and that's when the international community will will squeeze Netanyahu. So for now, not only is Biden giving Bibi wiggle room, but there the sixth fleet is on its way here. Part of it is already here. I think that's in order to send a clear message to Iran. My take that don't turn this into a regional war. Believe this. Hamas Israel, with the understanding that Iran plays a clear role in, in Hamas. How much was Iran involved in this? One day we will learn. And the the fact that they are you know um, supporting Paris, Bond, London, um, wherever else that's nice. I mean it's does it has that's doesn't happen often, but I don't think any Israeli leader worth um, a quarter of his weight puts too much stock in that because it, these things you know change dramatically. You know even if you send it even even if you send the ground forces in and you you kill who you kill and you whack who you whack, you're not going to occupy Gaza. And at some point you're going to have to withdraw from Gaza and then we'll be back exactly where we started, which is indeed, um, as I wrote in the, in the trib, that as difficult as it is, as difficult as it is at the end of the day, there will be a need for to sit around the table. It'll be uncomfortable as hell. It'll be uncomfortable because we have to be polite on the radio, right? It'll be uncomfortable having been at that table it's a, it, it, you don't negotiate with friends. You don't make peace with friends. It'll be a very, 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 very difficult. But, you know, on a personal note, if I may, I'm 66. I've got two grandchildren. I certainly don't want my grandchildren, when they get, as the older they get, to be stuck in the same hamster wheel of utter insanity. And I would like to think that there are Gazans like me, my age, my who say, this is crazy but we also need to be very realistic and say the Gazans are in many ways responsible for where they are because they in 2005 voted for Hamas and that gets lost in the shuffle that doesn't excuse Israel from having made mistakes along the way yes but the Gazans voted for Hamas and they put them in power and um here we are so you know you can look forward you can look backward I'm the as you know I'm a combination of an optimist and a realist or a realist and an optimist and um I genuinely believe that at the end of the day even if we disagree on everything, but this is not this is not a Bible. This is not sustainable. They're not going to defeat us, and we're not going to defeat them. We're stronger than they are. At the end of the day, even though there were, I mean, extraordinary um, errors, mistakes made. At the end of the day, we're an army, and with all of the but but but, they stand no chance. And that's at the end of the day. But you're not going to. De- but hang on. But you're not going to defeat them, and they're not going to come out with that white flag, which is I assume, which is why at some point. Whether it's the Egyptians or the Qataris or the Americans um, will weigh in. I saw that the, uh, Erdogan of Turkey just weighed in. He's now a big supporter of the Palestinians. Uh, Netanyahu so miscalculates people. Uh, Netanyahu thought that he was supporting him, but he's supporting us, but he's supporting the Hamas. The Syrians are making noise all of a sudden. It needs to sit and just mind his own business. Uh, the Jordanians obviously are utterly and totally irrelevant to anything here. It'll come down, I think, to the to Egypt and and Qatar. The Saudis need to be careful because of the mutual antipathy with with Iran. Somebody asked me about Putin. Putin's got his own issues in Ukraine, which has worked out really well for him. I say that sarcastically. Uh, I don't know where the Chinese are on all this. Um, I'm aware of the fact that we're in October 2023. I'm not good at math, but in in 13 months, there are American elections. How that will play out, I mean, how this will play out with that, I saw everybody who's running for president sees themselves as the need to come to Israel's defense. Thank you very much. But that's cheap politics. That's I mean, it's as useless as my hair is long. And we both know that I don't have a ponytail.
4: That's Professor Amos Giora of the S.J. Quinney College of Law, where he directs the Bystander Initiative.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the Western San Juans calls for isolated snow showers tonight with mostly cloudy skies and a low in the mid-20s. Friday should be sunny during the day with a high around 50. Friday night, expect partly cloudy skies with a low around 30. Saturday calls for mostly sunny skies during the day and mostly clear skies at night. The high is in the mid-50s with a low around freezing. This has been the news for Thursday, October 12. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary.
1: Attention all families. Bright Futures is hosting free Love and Logic parenting classes. Learn solution focused growth mindset parenting skills. This curriculum is best for families with children age three and over and all families are welcome. This is a series of four classes. We will begin on October 24th in person. November 7th and November 14th will be via Zoom. Our final class on November 28th will be in person. Please email madeline at brightfuturesforchildren.org to receive a link to register. Space is limited and registration closes on October 20th.